0: Hello everyone, you're very welcome to this episode of the Marie Keating Foundation Talks Cancer podcast. In this series we're talking lung cancer. We're kicking off with a jam-packed episode with a broad overview on lung cancer in Ireland. So today we'll be chatting to our Assistant Director of Nursing Services, Bernie Carter. Some of the questions that come to my mind when I think about lung cancer are, do I know the early warning signs of the disease itself? What should I be looking out for? Why are the survival rates for lung cancer so low and how each and every one of us can help to reduce our risk of lung cancer? Hi, Bernie, it's great to be here today, isn't it? Chatting about lung cancer awareness for a change um, rather than being out and about in the mobile units. Um, So Bernie Carter is our Assistant Director of Nursing at the Marie Keating Foundation. Um, And Bernie um, is very experienced as an oncology nurse. And I suppose for the Marie Keating Foundation, you know, our mission is to make cancer less frightening by enlightening. Um, But also to let people know that early detection saves lives. So today we're going to talk about lung cancer um, awareness in the first place and then, you know, do an overview really of lung cancer. There's an awful lot of information that needs to be covered around lung cancer. But you'll hear more in episode two, three and four. And we have a GP in episode two talking about, you know, his experience of patients coming through uh, to see him, Um, not necessarily with lung cancer, but with, with some of those signs and symptoms um which can be vague um we're also talking talking to Dr. Jeruska Naidu who is a medical oncologist with a vast experience of looking after lung cancer patients in Ireland and we have a patient um Miriam you know who's going to tell her story and i think that's really important for people to hear the actual experience of a patient having gone through you know um i suppose a diagnosis treatment and come out the other side um, and so important to tell her story. So, Bernie, we have a lot to do today. So we'll kick off with, um, I suppose, you know, putting lung cancer into some sort of context in Ireland. So my first question to you really would be cancer in general in Ireland. Tell me a little bit about kind of the stats around, you know, cancer in Ireland.
1: Yeah, So first of all, great to be here, Helen, and to discuss this very important topic. Um, but cancer is now the leading cause of death in Ireland, having passed out conditions of the heart and the circulatory system. So we have over 45,000 cases of cancer being diagnosed every year in Ireland. And what I find amazing as a tiny little country, Ireland has the third highest rate of cancer in the world, ranked only behind Australia and New Zealand. So the That's quite amazing. We do have on average about 112 people being diagnosed with cancer every day. Roughly one person dies from cancer every hour. But let's get more positive. We do know that more and more people are surviving cancer all the time. At the end of this year alone, we're expecting to have over 200,000 people living with and beyond and going back to life after cancer. So I think that's what's really important. We are doing
0: better, you know, yeah, as far as cancer yeah. is concerned. And I suppose like if we looked at, let, let's maybe look at the, we'll take skin cancer out of the equation here, but maybe we look at the most common cancer in men in Ireland, the most common cancer in women in Ireland, and then where lung cancer sits in ranking. For men and women in Ireland?
1: Yeah. So, uh, lung cancer is the fourth most common cancer overall in Ireland. And that ranks behind prostate, breast, and colorectal, which is also bowel cancer. So, fourth overall for men and women. And then, if we do, as you say, break it down and we look at the top four cancers in men prostate, colorectal, lung. Mm-hmm. So, lung is the third taking, as you say, non-melanoma skin cancer out of the equation. So, and then for women, it's breast, lung, and then colorectal. Mm-hmm. So, it's the second after breast for women, and it is the third after prostate for men. So, it is, qu- it is, it is in the top four, yeah. be it in overall yeah. or individually for men and
0: women. So, it is, it is quite common. OK, I mean, that, that's really good to know, isn't it? Just to put it into some sort of context here. So it is more common in women than, than it is in men. Yeah. Um, as we sit here today. Um, Bernie, I'm going to ask you about uh, the causes of lung cancer, um, first of all, and then maybe we'll go into some of the risk factors, um, you know, associated with lung cancer.
1: Yeah, I guess they both tie in together, the causes and the risk factors. I guess, first of all, to say we do have over 2,700 cases of lung cancer being diagnosed every year in Ireland. Uh, we know the main cause is smoking. At least 90% of lung cancers are caused, not just a risk factor, but are caused by smoking. So that is the greatest issue. We know it's more common in people as they get older. So if 75% of cases are diagnosed in people over the age of 65, We know also exposure to passive smoking and we don't always have control over that, that that is also a risk factor. Chest problems, as in chest infections, chronic bronchitis, emphysema, pneumonia, maybe a history of TB can also increase the risk. I'm also known to say some things we can control, some we can't. Exposure to radon. Radon is a natural gas that is found trapped in the air. It can also be in buildings exposure to asbestos and other chemicals, maybe working as a painter, history of, as I said already, tuberculosis. And an issue which is highlighted a lot in Ireland at the moment is the combustion of coal. So especially indoors. Family history of lung as well. That would account for a very small percentage as in certain inherited gene changes, which is a very small percentage of lung cancers. But it is something to be taken into account Mm. because everybody knows somebody who's got lung cancer who may or may not have smoked. And as long as we've got lungs... Any one of us could get lung cancer. Mm. So I think that's important.
0: And I think that's a really important um, factor you, you've just mentioned there is, you know, family history. Um, I think we're all becoming much more aware of um, those in our family who've had cancer, aren't we? We're beginning yes, to, we are. Um, um, To piece, you know, that information together. So it's really mm. important to know your family history. And if you don't know, to start asking those questions. Exactly, yeah. And like, as I said, yes, family history
1: does slightly increase the risk of, of lung cancer and what really they're looking for there. And it's become, coming in, I'm sure we hear from our doctor as well, looking at more genetic link and uh, we would hear about different genes. We all have genes, they're often there to protect us, but in many cases or in some cases, I shouldn't say many, in, in limited cases, these genes can become faulty. And two genes in particular they think about or talk about in relation to lung would be the EGFR or the ALK gene. So I'm really excited about hearing more and listening to more and, and looking at more clinical developments and scientific developments around that. And looking, Because once... The consultants, the doctors know that there is a mutation of one of those genes present as in lung cancer, the EGFR, ALK. There's others, many others. Uh, I'm not a geneticist, but there are many others. But it can guide the treatment mm. and make it more specific and more
0: targeted and hence lead to better outcomes for the patients. So it is very important. And uh, we're going definitely going to hear more about that in episode three and um, when Dr Nidu, you know, talks about treatment options yeah. available and the uniqueness of of lung cancer for everyone who presents. So, yeah, thanks for that, Bernie. Um, And then I suppose, like, you know, we're out in the community. um, We have great opportunities here to talk to people, don't we, in the community um, about the signs and symptoms of lung cancer. So, you know, can can you tell me what they are? First of all,
1: having a symptom doesn't mes- necessarily mean a person's going to get cancer. But yes, I think this is one cancer that we got to start picking up earlier. So knowing what to look out for is very, very important. So having a cough most of the time, as in if we have a cough for more than three weeks, we should get it checked out. A change in a cough that you've had already, being short of breath, for no reason, not after climbing a hill or whatever. Coughing up phlegm or sputum with signs of blood in it. Maybe an ache or a pain in the shoulder or chest when coughing and at this stage I should say this is a symptom that my mother would have had. You know, She she got lung cancer 15 years ago and this is a symptom because you're coughing so much it actually hurts the muscle. So just to be aware of that. Ongoing chest infections, maybe a, an unexplained loss of weight, unexplained tiredness, unexplained loss of appetite you know losing weight when you're not trying to you know just losing your appetite these are all symptoms that should be checked out do not hesitate do not be afraid most likely it's nothing to worry about but it should always be checked out so do contact your doctor if you have any of those symptoms and especially as well if there is a history in the family
0: Yeah, that's really good advice, isn't it? Um, And they can be vague. They're not always, as you said, associated with lung cancer. COVID has created um, a level of anxiety for people too, hasn't it? In that, is it COVID? Is it a chest infection? Is it the flu? Is it, you know, is it lung cancer? Yeah, that's a big yeah.
1: part of Marie Keating and our big checkup campaign last year and again this year is uh, let's catch lung cancer out. Let's be conscious and aware of the different symptoms. What I would say, you know, nowadays if you have a cough with COVID or if it's ongoing, you should get checked out regardless. You want to know, is it COVID? Is it the flu? We are in the flu seasons or could it possibly be something else? But what I would say, our whole mission in the Marie Keating Foundation is to take the feedback Fear out of cancer don't let fear stop you going to get checked out just do go get checked out if it is that cough that is not going away you know if it is as we've already explained the signs and symptoms are that we should be looking out for and don't be diagnosing yourself because you know it's better to go to the experts that's what they're there for and let them tell you look it's a cold let's check for covid or maybe it could be something else
0: and let's not go to dr google
1: Let's not go mad on Doctor Google, where you'll get everything and anything, unless you're looking at peer-reviewed information. The best advice is that from your mm-hmm. doctor.
0: Um, and Bernie, something you said there that I really liked is, is the story of your mom. Now, yeah. your mom was an early early detection, early diagnosis. She's 15 years down the line, so her survival um, surpasses what what we. I guess in in early in early diagnosis, early detection. This is the this is the story. This is the real story we hear. Yeah.
1: She's a hard woman to live up to uh, but definitely this is a really nice positive example of somebody where uh, the lung cancer was caught at stage 2. So we will maybe talk and I know that our doctor is going to cover staging as well. So it was a very early stage lung cancer. So the ideal is prevention but if we can't prevent and we can't always prevent early detection. So in the case of my mum, uh, yes I noticed that she had this niggling cough and she was telling me I was paranoid being the cancer nurse and I said look just go and get checked out and she went and got checked out was told it was okay but it was ongoing and I really then requested to go with her to her GP and ask could it be followed up more chest x-ray was done yes it was picked up at a very early stage and mother is still here she had she had part of her lung removed that's called a lobectomy and we can live with one or a part of another lung or even one lung and here she is 15 years later and would love to be pulling slot machines
0: in Galway <laughs> <laughs> very good. Um, I suppose having having talked about that, then we'll, shall we just very briefly simplify the stage and grade of, so we'll start with the stage. Dr. Naidu is going to talk about this in more detail alongside the treatment options, but very briefly just to talk about stage of cancer, grade of cancer. To simplify it for our listeners.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. So staging and grading helps the experts decide what is the best treatment for that individual person. And it's very important not to compare cancers with another person who may have a similar cancer because everybody is different. So what the stage does, if you think of s for size and S for spread. Stage looks at the size of the cancer and if it has spread. Whereas grading looks at the cell type and how different do the cancer cells look to no, from normal lung cells. The more different the cells are from normal lung cells, the higher the grade, the higher the risk that this cancer is more aggressive and could spread. Often they use what's called the TNM, the tumour, the node, the metastasis. So what that means is the tumour, the T, well that looks at the size of the tumour and that's broken down again and we won't go there because it gets very complex. The node looks at how many nodes are involved because I think of cancer as cunning. Cancer uses the nodes, the lymphatics in the system, in the body to spread. So we use the node system of the TNM to look at is there any nodes involved and if so, how many and how far or how close are they to the actual cancer? And then M is for metastasis and metastasis describes whether the cancer has spread to a different part of the body. So that's the TNM. And then we hear of the numbering system System for staging. So the stage one to four. So stage one, stage two are early stage cancers and generally with lung cancer are most often treated by surgery and most often are more curable because Helen, we might talk about the survival rates of five year rates down the line and what is the percentage of lung cancer people that do survive. The earlier, the better. That old stitch in time saves nine. So stage one, stage two, very early stage. Stage three then means the cancer is. Still Still more incurable, as in it hasn't spread to another organ of the body, but it may have, more have spread to lymph nodes, local and not so local. And then stage four means the cancer is spread to another part of the body. So stage one and two, early stage, usually surgery, usually more curable. Stage three, still more curable, but more likely not just surgery. When it may also involve chemotherapy, as it would some of the stage twos, Whereas a stage four, we're no longer talking about curable. We're talking about controllable because the cancer is now spread to another part
0: of the body. Yeah, that's excellent. So I'm I I I feel that people will understand that, and we will talk about it further in um in our in when we talk to Doctor Naidu. I suppose, like as an oncology nurse myself. I know a cancer diagnosis is a life-changing event for everyone. Um, It changes how people feel and how they think forever. Um, So empathy is really important here, isn't it? Very important. Yeah, when we talk about cancer, you know, when we talk about all, when we give all that information, it's really important to to be empathetic. It's also very complex and we're going to learn that as we go along as well. So a good listening ear is really important um, and time given to the person who's been diagnosed. Um, and, And some understanding and a lot of education in order to make informed decisions. And that's all about the road ahead for them, isn't it? Helen,
1: I'd love to talk about the stigma with lung cancer. I okay. yeah. like you say, listening yeah. ear is so important. We know with lung cancer that the five-year survival rate isn't brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's roughly 20%. We talk about five-year survival rates for all cancer types. And that means if a person is still here five years after a diagnosis, you know, if, the, if that percentage is good, it's a good thing. But in the case of lung cancer, it's 20%. Why? Because the majority of lung cancers are generally picked up at a later stage, at stage three and stage four why? A lot of research shows us that people tend to present late for many reasons, but primarily if they smoke. And there is a stigma between lung cancer and cigarette smoking. And we need to really address that issue in Ireland worldwide. The survival rate for lung cancer worldwide is the same. Lung cancer kills more people than any other cancer worldwide, not just in Ireland. So people who have smoked or who still smoke often blame themselves for their diagnosis. And we know the smoking is the number one cause of cancer. But like I said earlier, anybody with lungs can get lung cancer. Even people who don't smoke can get lung cancer. So really, nobody deserves lung cancer. We know smoking is not necessarily an easy habit to break. People need lots of help. So we need to seriously address that stigma around cigarette smoking in Ireland, in the world. Nobody deserves it and everybody deserves equal care. And that listening ear like you said. Like we know that in the recent, in the recent Budget that we're going to get more money, hopefully mm-hmm. 20 million yeah. towards cancer services. We need some of that money to go down that avenue of addressing the stigma, addressing the psychosocial needs of the patient. Let's start catching lung cancer earlier. Let's start more education around lung cancer nationwide in schools like we do in the Marie Keating Foundation. So, yes, it is. No cancer is a
0: nice cancer. But this
1: is one that there is a stigma and it is very difficult. And I suppose, like,
0: I mean, we need to acknowledge that, um, you know, smoking is habit It's a lot, and often for a lot of people, it's a lifelong habit and it's addictive, and addictions are very hard to break. So, I might mention here um, quit.ie. It's a hugely supportive service in Ireland around the cessation of smoking. Um, And I'm going to just talk through 10 tips to help you to quit because, again, what we're doing here is acknowledging, yes, that smokers do um, get lung cancer. It's not their fault. Um, But we'd like to maybe help people to think about that giving up, you know, and giving themselves the best chance. So there are ten tips to help you quit. Um, Number one is to prepare to quit. Write down your reasons for quitting and keep them close at hand. Number two is make a date to quit and stick to it. Number three, support. Ask your family and friends for support. Number four, change your routine and plan ahead. Replace or change activities that you associate with smoking. Number five is being active. Regular activity is good for your health and helps you to manage stress. Um, number six, think positive. You may have withdrawal symptoms. We all know that Um, there are positive signs that your body is recovering from the harmful effects of smoking and they will disappear eventually. Number seven, learn to deal with cravings. Try distracting yourself, having some water or taking some deep breaths. Number eight is an important one here, saving money. I mean, cigarettes are so expensive these days, aren't they? So set aside the money that you would otherwise spend on tobacco for a reward um, and buy yourself something nice, treat yourself. Number nine, watch what you eat. If you're worried about putting on weight, be careful about what you eat. And I know this is an important aspect, particularly in young girls, you know, who who um, are very concerned about their weight and their, and their body, you know, their body itself. So... Watching what you eat is really important. And finally, number 10 is take it one day at a time. Remember, every day without smoking is good news for your health, your family and your pocket. And if you slip up, all is not lost. Set a new date and start again. And we know that if somebody gives up smoking for about 28 days, they're likely to stay now, I'd like to just maybe um, let our listeners know about the National Smokers Quit Line, um, and it's a free line on one 203 or free text quit to five zero one hundred. Okay, so just really to mention that, and for us here to acknowledge that we know that smoking is is. is a big problem. We should we mention
1: vaping, Helen, shouldn't we? Yes, we should actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. because we do know now that we have more quitters than smokers in Ireland. So we have come a long way, and as Bertie has said, we have a lot done and a lot, lot more to do. But we know as well that we're seeing and there is an increase in vaping, and vaping also comes with its problems. More research has to be done into vaping, but one study alone done in Queens and Belfast showed that the risk for that chronic obstructive disease, emphysema of the lung is actually almost equally as high with vaping as it is with smoking. We need more research to look at the link between vaping and cancer. But really, those lungs just want fresh air, nothing else. So we need to be careful because in those vapes are other highly addictive qualities and also highly addictive carcinogenics. So really, we do need to be careful there and especially with our younger people because it can appear quite trendy and really... As I said, the lungs just want fresh air. So we need to watch that. And I think, Helen, I'd love to mention the good news around lung Mm. cancer. What do you think?
0: Absolutely, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, because
1: all we ever hear is the bad news around lung cancer and the poor survival rates, etc. But listen again, caught in time, those survival rates do go up. We know that eight and 10 people who are diagnosed with early stage lung cancer will still be here one year later. And this is very, very important. And if we we get our statistics in Ireland from our National Cancer Registry, and we know since the year 2000 to the most recent statistics that the survival rates have doubled. So back in the year 2000, 10% five-year survival rate. That went up to 18% in the 2005 to 2009. Then it went up to 20% with our most recent. So, I mean, the survival rates have doubled. Yes, they're not brilliant, but it's 23% in the US, which is a much larger country than Ireland. Yes, not brilliant, a lot more to be done. And we can do that. Ideally, true prevention. Helen's talked about the smoking. But if not the prevention, early detection. Ireland ranks sixth out of 23 EU countries surveyed in 2010 to 2014 for survival rates. So we're not the worst, but we still have an awful lot to do. Mm. So I think I think we have to kind of create a more positive attitude around lung cancer, so that we can take the fear out, so that we can encourage people to go and get checked
0: out, not to be afraid. For sure, and we all agree with that. Um, I and we will talk, you know, later on with Doctor Naidu around like lung cancer screening. It's a, it's a yeah. topic on the agenda. Hasn't really been. I suppose there is no screening for for lung cancer in Ireland as yet, but we'll certainly be talking to Dr. Naidoo about that later on.
1: I'd love Um, to see that, Helen, because I know myself from looking from research and one research in the States showed that actually low-dose CT scans for lungs picked up more lung cancers than mammograms picked up breast cancer. Yeah. So there's a need for some of that bit of that 20 million to go into looking to lung cancer screening. Um, we know that, it, that more people die from lung cancer than any other cancer. Mm. Actually, more people die from lung cancer than breast and colorectal together or prostate and bowel together. So yes, we need to look more. If there is something out there, a screening programme that works, definitely, we need to look at that in Ireland. And yeah. I think that could be the way forward.
0: Yeah. Bernie, will you tell me a little bit more about the Marie Keating Foundation mobile unit service in the community? So,
1: the Marie Keating Foundation have three mobile units in Ireland, one in the east, one in the south and one in the west. So these mobile three mobile units are equipped with lots of information about all the more common types of cancer. So in, they're divided into two sections. The front section is generally has all the information, little table where somebody can sit down in. And then we have a private space in the back that we can close off if somebody wants to ask a private question. Now, I have to say here, we do not perform Breast screening or any form of screening, because a lot of people see the unit, they think we 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 are providing a screening service. No, nope, we don't do that. It's for informational service only. Each mobile unit will have a specialist Marie Keating Foundation nurse with who has lots of information all about. The different types of cancer and has got a very strong background in cancer. So, what will person will be expected is now during COVID-19, as we're still in COVID-19, they will be kept safe. That's number one. So the nurse will protect herself while protecting the patient. They will be wearing a mask while they were talking to the nurse. They will also be hand sanitizer. There will be guidelines about the two-meter distancing. And then they can come either as with a family member, with a friend, on their own, and ask the nurse that question that may they may want to ask the doctor but out of fear or for many other reasons haven't gone and asked the doctor. Remember the nurse is not a doctor but the nurse will give the advice either go through whatever the query is maybe advise the person to go and speak to the doctor provide the person with lots of information and just have that private chat, be it one-on-one or, one or with a family. So it's a fantastic service. And what I'd also say is this is a free service, this fantastic informational, community informational service that goes to the four pockets of Ireland, the four little
0: corners of Ireland. This service is free. Great, Bernie. Gosh, we've covered a lot, haven't we? Um, I suppose for me now um, and again for the Marie Keating Foundation, um, I'd like to let our listeners know that, there are, that we do have um, lots of supportive services as well. So, not only do we look at you know making cancer less frightening by enlightening um, and and encourage early detection. We also look after people once they've been diagnosed with a cancer and come out the other side of treatment. Um, so our programme is called Survive and Um It's an eight-week programme at the moment, facilitated by a healthcare professional um, and um, a survivor themselves. So it's really nicely tailored to help people to self-manage themselves into their new normal um, and to live their best life. So. I would certainly um, be encouraging that for anybody who's listening or if they know a family member who they think could would benefit from, you know, a program like this. And not only is it a program, it's actually um, camaraderie ship between and amongst um, cancer survivors themselves. It's very powerful and empowering. Um, you know, to be part of that programme. We talked about, you know, later stage um, lung cancer as well. And we have a programme called Positive Living. And I would certainly encourage anyone who may have a lung cancer that spread to other parts of their body, um, you know, to look up our Positive Living programme on the website, mariekealing.ie um, and go to the events page. Um, you'll find uh, programmes for this year and next year already, you know, signposted. And that's that again is another, you know, it's a safe place for people to come together and talk about their own experiences um, maybe issues they're having or actually maybe some of the fun they're having in their lives, too. It's about sharing everything. Um, so I'd just like to highlight those. Um, and there are some really, um, I suppose, positive trends happening, you know, um, in the hospital settings as well. We, we both know um, a physiotherapist who's quite dear to us, Sarah Moore um in, in James's and they run a prehabilitation programme. So they're already thinking about, you know, helping and promoting the best possible care for people post surgery by actually introducing services um, and physiotherapy um, and before treatment. So I think that's a really great step forward as well. So I suppose, Bernie, before we sign off, one of the things I would like maybe just to mention is the supportive services around late stage cancer, palliative care be- being that service, both in the hospital setting, but also in the community. And maybe just a statement from yourself to say, what is it? we don't need to be afraid of it and yeah. we need to we need to embrace it
1: Yeah and a lot of people when they hear the word palliative they think of end of life oh my gosh I must be dying yeah. I heard my own mother like 15 years she was <laughs> referred to palliative care and she's still here and she's been under palliative care all that time um, so really palliative care yes it has a huge role to play for the person at the end of life but it also has a huge role to play for the person who may be diagnosed with a later stage cancer who may need support around pain control quality of life support for the family they can dip in they can dip out what I would say is early referral to palliative care is so important because it's there when you need it and when you don't need it then you know you just don't need it but if you need it and you've already been registered and signed up for palliative care you can access it faster and also psycho-oncology as in psychological support support for the children there's many programs run by palliative care the program programme, which Helen, I know you know a lot more about than myself. You know, there's many programmes there. I think, I don't know how we're going to change this whole mindset around palliative care. Maybe we need to change the name because the name, always people think of it as end of life. It is not end of life. It is far more, and I have to say the services provided by palliative care have been amazing to my family and have been amazing to many families. Wonderful support for the whole family and not just the individual with the cancer diagnosis and not just for
0: end of life, it's it's fantastic service. You yeah, know. no, it's great. Um, and I suppose you mentioned climb there, Bernie. But what I would say is, there are cancer support centres all over Ireland in your local areas. Um, we would certainly encourage you to actually look them up, um, knock on their door. It is a difficult thing to do to walk, you know walk over the, the, the threshold, I suppose. But really important places for for the support you need. The CLIMB programme is um, Children's Lives in Moments of Bravery. Um, and that's a six week programme that's developed um, by, you know, I, I've certainly trained and led on it myself in my time. And um, it is a programme for children with a significant adult in their life with cancer. And it's a treat, you know, it's a programme that that nourishes um, their feelings, their thoughts, their hopes, their fears and their anger. So really important. Um, And those programmes are running not in every cancer support centre in Ireland, but it would certainly be worth, um, you know, tapping into your own local service. Um, And they are for children between five and 12. Um, So we've covered an awful lot here today, Bernie. Um, It's been a great overview and I think really important for you know, our listeners to understand it from start to finish. What I would just ask of you, Bernie, is what is your take home message? I think like we say Marie Keating we need to take the fear away. We need to start
1: diagnosing lung cancer early we need to all push for some of this budget to go into lung cancer services and uh, we need to kind of go to your doctor if you have any change in the cough like we said a cough, a new cough all the symptoms we went through do contact your doctor. If you don't smoke don't start and if you do smoke get help to quit. I know Dr Nadu will cover treatments um, so that will be all covered already but I think this is important. We need to improve the statistics around lung cancer we can do that and I would also love to see an increase in the ban around cigarette smoking in Ireland we need to also see a change in that better access to the newer drugs more access to clinical trials if you are somebody with a later stage lung cancer do ask your consultant can I take part in a clinical trial because there's many wonderful trials out there which are the future treatments and this may be the the one that could work for you so again no fear and do go to the Marie Keating Foundation website we've loads of information in there all about lung cancer and about helping you to quit smoking Thank you Bernie Thank you Helen been great
0: That's all for this episode Thank you again to our brilliant guest speaker Bernie Carter for her insights to our sponsors AstraZeneca and Pfizer for their support in making this series possible and to you for tuning in Join us next time, where we will once again be talking all things lung cancer. And in the meantime, you can visit mariekeating.ie for more information about lung cancer. Until then, go well.